We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is up, Thunder fans? And welcome to the Uncontested Postgame Podcast Edition. I'm your host for tonight, Taylor Peterson. You can find me on Twitter and all social media at Taylor underscore P15. Not a super fun one to break down tonight. Uh, the Thunder lose 112 to 105 to the Los Angeles Lakers. But before I get any further and break down some of these themes, we are a proud part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. You can find us on all social media platforms at the underscore uncontested. Uh, be sure to to tune in. If you like what you're hearing, leave us a five-star review. It would be greatly appreciated. And appreciate it. And also, um, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube. Drop us some likes. Some uh, If you haven't subscribed already, please be sure to do so. Uh, it's really appreciated, and we're loving the YouTube engagement that we're getting right now. We're really trying to pump that. So appreciate all of you all for tuning in already. Speaking of which, already have some uh, some comments here in the chat, which I greatly appreciate. My guy Smoot saying, uh, Taylor keeps the power pods. Uh, that is exactly right. The, 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 the I can't talk. The degenerates are out in full force tonight. Uh, already appreciate all of you tuning in. Be sure to drop your comments and your questions. I'll be sure to get, the, to, get to them here at the, at the end of the podcast once I go through some of these themes. But like I mentioned... Thunder on the first game of a West Coast road trip this week. They end up dropping this one 112 to 105. A lot of things to break down. Not all of them necessarily negative, um, but certainly felt like a opportunity for the Thunder throughout the entirety of the game to really be able to capitalize and make a little bit of a run. They weren't able to do so. We'll get into all those. So I'm, I'm really excited to break this one down, even though it's 12 uh, 17 here uh central time in oklahoma and i appreciate all of you all for tuning in and for the the comments and the questions i got on twitter I'll be sure to get to all those as well like i mentioned my big themes 
honestly, the big ones that I have here, the Thunder ice cold from three. The Lakers defense disrupts OKC's identity, which I thought was huge. Kind of ties into a lot of these themes, honestly. Shea struggles. I have some rotation thoughts. Uh, Dignal's rotations, not necessarily in a bad way. Excuse me, but just in general, um, something we'll get into. And then the rebounds and the points in the paint, I thought, were a huge reason. Really not even so much the rebounds, but the points in the paint. Thunder really got outbodied there in the paint, which we'll get into as well. Those are kind of some of my big themes. I have some like smaller themes we'll get into that are a little more positive. I thought we could go ahead and get into those. Now, pregame notes quickly. The Lakers ended up, uh, I think LeBron was questionable. I'm not sure if AD was questionable. They had a couple questionable players, but all of them ended up playing except for, I'm blank now, what is the clutch player? Uh, when to say Max Christie, it's not. Anyways, they had one player out, uh, and therefore that resulted in them. Actually, I believe they announced it was they were going back at pregame that they were going back to their original starting lineup that they started so much of last year, which was LeBron, D'Lo, AD, Vanderbilt, and Austin Reeves. That ended up not being the case. Uh, shortly before tip-off, we learned that it would – uh, end up being Prince instead of Vanderbilt, which is a little interesting. I don't know. I mean, I I, I did. I was going to touch on this a little more. Thunder had one, uh, but and I get it. I mean, Shea was a game time decision as well. That was my other pregame note here. He ends up playing, which was awesome to see. But when the head coach announces a starting lineup and they change it last minute, that's just I don't know, a little interesting. But I don't want to harp on that too much, considering that was no reason whatsoever why the Thunder lost. It's just something I, I, I don't know. I think uh, maybe only the Lakers or a LeBron team could maybe get away with. Like if the Thunder were to have said they're going with their normal starting lineup when Dalen's doing his pregame, uh, his pregame media avail- availability, and then he decides to start Isaiah Joe instead of, uh, instead of Giddy. Like I think the Thunder may come under a little bit of scrutiny there from the league. Um, so anyways, it's just something I noted. But again, as a whole, that had absolutely nothing to do with the game tonight. I had some like quarter by quarter breakdowns. I'm not even think it's really worth getting into those. The big thing here is just kind of the themes that I mentioned. We'll go ahead and start with the Thunder being absolutely ice cold from three. The Thunder shot 15 of 49 from three, 30%. For reference, they were averaging 33.4 three-point attempts per game. And they shot uh, 49 through They were just <laughs> jacking them up. That's exactly what the Lakers wanted. We'll get into that as well. They've kind of played into the zone defense, I think, that the Lakers kind of settled into. And it was devastating for the Thunder, especially when they weren't hitting those threes. And and honestly, they <sighs> way too many attempts. But at the same time, the Thunder weren't shooting well from three to begin with. And that is just a perfect recipe for disaster. I mean, they just got absolutely torched there. Uh, 39 attempts per game, or sorry, 49 attempts per game, which is what they shot tonight from three, would put them up with some of the top three-point shoot, or three-point, yeah, I guess three-point shooting teams in the league with Boston, Dallas, and Sacramento. For reference, I think they're like 12th right now with whatever I mentioned. They're averaging 33.4 three-point attempts per game. They've also been leading the league in three-point percentage. <laughs> that was not the case tonight. And I bring that up because, obviously, as I'll get into with my next point, I think that 
that Lakers defense really, that, that zone defense that they threw at them, completely threw them off their game. Uh, just kind of going through some of the stats here uh, for each player. Sorry, I'm, I'm on a different app tonight. Uh, Chet Holmgren, one of four from three. A dub was two of four, which is good to see. Shea was one of six. I thought there was a lot of forced three-point attempts from him. Uh, let's see, three of eight from Dort. A lot of <laughs> a lot of forced three-point attempts from him as well. The other one that comes to the top of my, uh, of my mind was Kenneth Williams, even though he was only one of three from three. But he two of those specifically were pretty forced there in that second half, uh, primarily the third quarter when he came in pretty early. One of three for Jay Will. One of four for Goose, who got quite a bit of burn. Uh, and the big one here is 0 of 6 from 3 for Isaiah Joe, which is just absolutely killer. And when your guys like Isaiah Joe, even Shea, when he's taking that many attempts is, and, and is missing them, uh, Dort, like I mentioned, 3 of 8 from 3, like that is so many attempts. That's playing right into what the Lakers wanted when they game planned for the Thunder, when they were looking at film. They wanted to force three-point attempts, make the Thunder shooters beat them, and they did not tonight. Just absolutely brutal. And that kind of goes into my next theme here, which is the Lakers' defense absolutely disrupted OKC's identity. We've talked so much about this, right? Um, the versatility the Thunder have, the off-ball movement, that this Thunder team is at their best when they're pushing the pace and, and, and playing in transition, and that did not happen at all. The Lakers went to his own very early in the game and primarily the second half. Uh, I think they started that there in the second quarter stuck with it in the second half that just completely disrupted the Thunder's identity. Like I mentioned earlier in that previous point, there's just so many forced outside shots, no driving to the rim. The rim was absolutely packed with the Thunder or sorry, the Lakers length and size. And it led to a lot of early threes in transition, which are very uncharacteristic. sorry in transition early in the shot clock, which is very uncharacteristic uncharacteristic for this Thunder team. Like I mentioned, I, the Kenrich three-point uh, three attempts early in the shot clock when he came in the third quarter stood out to me. Lou Dort had quite a few of those as well. Then obviously Shea not being able to drive and get to the rim resulted in a lot of forced three-point attempts. Again, a lot of those coming early in the shot clock, which is so un uncharacteristic of this Thunder team that we've seen. Even then, they still generate a lot of wide-open three-point attempts. Kaysen Wallace has some good opportunities. Obviously, Isaiah Joe is one that I mentioned, and they just couldn't capitalize. And that's just absolutely killer. You're not going to beat this Lakers team, especially any competitive team that you're playing in the West or the East, in the NBA for that matter, when they go to the zone defense and are forcing you to be able to spread the floor and be able to knock down those open shots. The Thunder weren't able to do that, and that was absolutely killer. That being said, we also didn't see that it, it kind of go. I guess this goes to my second point here with the Lakers defense. We didn't see a lot of like flashing to the high post with players like Josh Giddy or who can play make or even Jay Will when he was in there in the first half or whoever at Chet Holmgren. It was just a very stagnant offense for OKC tonight. And that was really disappointing to see because, like I mentioned, I mean, 112 to 105, they only lose by seven. They had a chance to get it down within to a one possession game there, heading down in the stretch in the clutch in the fourth quarter. And just a lot of the same. Uh, four shots from outside, poor defense. There's a possession there in the fourth where Chet got a huge block. I can't even remember who it was on now. And then he's he he rips it. He's driving, pushing the pace and transition like we like love to see. He gets stripped. 
leads to a Lakers fast break, easy fast break point and or two two points and Dignall calls a timeout. And that was pretty much it. Uh, again, just I thought that that Lakers defense completely disrupted the flow of OKC's offense. And I'm gonna scroll up here. I think it was Matt Moore. I think he kind of nailed this on the head. Matt Moore at HP Basketball. He said the Lakers have been all over the Thunder's passing lanes in this quarter to get the Lakers the lead. He was uh, specifically referring to that third quarter, but I think he was spot on. Uh, They just were, I mean, they game planned perfectly for the Thunder, forced them into uncomfortable situations that the Thunder aren't necessarily used to, accustomed to. And we saw the Thunder take, or sorry, the Lakers take advantage of that yet again for the second straight game. And I just thought that was a uh, pretty brutal. Thunder just didn't play to their identity for the entirety of the game. And that again, all that—that's kind of the big theme of the game. But to to kind of throw in another theme there, Shea struggles. Obviously, I know that he was questionable tonight with that knee sprain. Uh, he got banged up there against the Magic a couple nights ago. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We saw him, you know, kind of favoring that knee a little bit during that game. Uh, it was a game time decision if he was even going to play. So maybe that has some to do with it. He didn't certainly didn't seem to be 110% in regards to him driving to the lane and the, you know, the, the herky-jerky change of pace kind of play that we become accustomed to from Shea. But even then, I think even more so than that, it was Lakers defense that really kind of got to Shea. Um, he settled for more threes than what we've become accustomed to. I don't mean to just repeat myself over and over, but one of six from three is very uncharacteristic for Shea. I looked this up before I jumped on the, the podcast. It's obviously hard to you know throw out stats here on a post game when we're trying to just get a quick post game podcast out after a game. But I wanted to pull this one up because I think it's pretty telling. Shea's only averaging 3.5 three-point attempts per game, including tonight. And I understand he's shooting more three-point attempts than he has, and like specifically last season, really cut down on those. But for him to essentially double that just kind of, I think, goes to what I was talking about earlier. 
I mean, that, that goes to exactly what the Lakers wanted uh, it, when they were game planning and, and looking at film during the, uh, you know, in preparation of this game. And, and they forced Shea into extremely uncomfortable positions where he's having to pull three-point shots, step-back shots that are, I mean, he, he's not going to make it a high clip. He wasn't able to get to the rim because they were packing the paint so much with that zone defense and with that size and length that we've already talked so much about. And so Shea really struggled as a whole. Uh, I expect to see him to bounce back tomorrow night, but at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Shea you know, heading into tomorrow night with another questionable status and, and maybe he sits. Honestly, I kind of thought we might see that tonight where there's playing it safe. Shea sits tonight's game and he's ready to go. Uh, but obviously he wanted to play. He was ready to go. And he, even just watching him on the floor, I mean, it wasn't like he was limping all over the place. I mean, I think he was, I, I, that's why I think it was more so the Lakers defense and, and their scheme and also, you know, them throwing off the thunder and and their what what they're best at and their offensive identity that kind of led to the struggles that we saw Shea had. He ended up with sorry again I'm on a different app tonight. Uh, 24 points, three rebounds, six assists. He had three fouls. I don't have stills on this one yet. Uh, actually, I'm going to go ahead and switch over because I like CBS's step. Uh, the way they break it out, it's way easier to read. So like I mentioned, Shea, okay, 24 points, three rebounds, six assists, nine of 19 from the floor, very inefficient in comparison to what we've seen from Shea. Uh, he had three fouls and three turnovers, which is the most we've seen from Shea. He had three turnovers, I think, in one of those two games that the Thunder lost against the Hawks or Brooklyn Nets. But before that, I mean, we're accustomed to seeing Shea having zero turnovers, being extremely efficient. I think, that again, that just goes – to what I've been talking about with the way that this Lakers team defended the Thunder. They were zoned in on Shea. Uh, his teammates weren't able to capitalize. It completely threw Shea off his game and completely threw the Thunder off their offensive identity. Uh, another big theme I have is the rot- just a couple of rotation thoughts for the Thunder uh, and Mark Dagnall. I thought it was kind of interesting. We saw a lot of Usman Jang, especially in the first half, and then even again in the third quarter, he came back in. He had twelve point, or sorry, twelve minutes off the bench. He wasn't necessarily awful. I'm not saying like trying to blame this on Us or anything like that, but like a player like Aaron Wiggins doesn't even get burned tonight. And I don't get me wrong; I think Aaron Wiggins gets a ton of burn against the Clippers on the second night of a back-to-back. This is what Mark you know, kind of, I don't want to say warned us about, but kind of alluded to when he was mentioning the brutal stretch here a couple of weeks ago, uh, leading into the month of January. That being said, I expected him when he said that I kind of expected him to go deeper into the bench and not necessarily have like a Lindy waters game against the Hawks or to have tonight. It was a Usman Jane game. Right. Or, you know, it, I expected him to kind of mix that up a little bit. It seems like he's picking like one player off the bench to kind of get that burn. And instead of Wiggins tonight, it was Usman Jang. And I thought that kind of hurt the Thunder primarily defensively in terms of rotations. Us continues to struggle, kind of gets blown by, uh, misses defensive assignments, but also offensively as well. He had five points, two of five from the field, one of four from three. When Us is shooting four three-point attempts, you're probably in trouble there. And I think a player like Aaron Wiggins, I mean, he's young. He should be able to play back-to-back games. I understand 
the Thunder wanting to continue to develop players. Goose falls in that that category. I just I found that really interesting. Not to just harp on Oost, though. Uh, Jay Will comes in early in the game when Chet had two early fouls in that first quarter. He only plays five minutes. We didn't see him again after. I, I think he played a little bit there in the second quarter, and that was it. I found that interesting as well. Isaiah Joe had 20 minutes tonight, but he was pretty horrific. Maybe one of the worst Isaiah Joe games we've seen from him. He had seven rebounds, which is huge, and I understand the small things that he does. We've talked so much about this, uh, about those things on this podcast. Seven rebounds from Isaiah Joe is pretty significant, and I understand having him on the floor. But at the same time, when he's 2 of 10 from the floor and 0 of 6 from 3, that's pretty killer. And that's where I would have liked to see mixing in and Aaron Wiggins a little bit more, kind of to my earlier point. Uh, minutes off the bench, five points, two rebounds. He continues to kind of struggle a little bit offensively. Like I mentioned, some some – I mean, he only shot – three three-point attempts, but I thought two of those were extremely forced. Uh, he's Again, he's kind of continues to struggle offensively, and especially in a game like tonight when the Thunder are unable to really kind of generate the offense that we all know and love, where they're moving off ball and cutting off, you know, cutting off passes, and, and, and they have their creators creating passing lanes for players like Kenrich. Uh, we saw tonight where he kind of struggled. However, Kenrich did play well defensively, and I like seeing Mark kind of go with that small ball to try and counteract the Lakers' length and size, especially with AD playing so many minutes that I mentioned. Uh, Vasilya Micic continues to get a lot of burn. I think this is like I, I think it's safe to say that Micic has found a role within this bench lineup, this these bench units. He ends up playing 15 minutes tonight, uh, six points, two of four from four, two of two from three, which was significant. Uh, and just continues to create for teammates. He struggled as well, trying to get into the lane and create when the when the almost said the Thunder again. Goodness, when the Lakers are playing that zone defense. But as a whole, I thought Micic had another solid game, another solid outing. Was a kind of a bright spot off the bench. And I think this is something we're going to see a lot of moving forward, especially uh, as we head into the latter stretch of the season. We're already this is crazy. I saw this today. Like you know, we talk so much about the twenty game sample size that Mark Daniel has mentioned essentially a fourth of the season. We're already to the, uh, this Friday will be the halfway point of the NBA season as a whole. That is crazy to think about. And the thunder are sitting there in the second place in the West. Um, all that being said, us getting to this halfway point, I mean, just is playing more and more off the bench. I think we're going to see him be a regular staple. And then finally, case Wallace continues at minutes. Thought he had a really great first half against LeBron, defending him in certain situations. Uh, he even had a, a strip on him at one point. Let's see how many steals. Yeah, that was his one – no, sorry, he had two steals. I was going to say I thought he had more than that. Uh, I think one block as well. Kaysen continues to play really well defensively. He continues to do the right things offensively, but he's still not making those shots. Again, he had four three-point attempts. He was one of four from the field, and honestly, a lot of those were wide open. We saw Kaysen hit those early on in the season. That's something that we really need to see moving forward. Kaysen getting that confidence, getting hitting, hitting from outside. But it's hard to just, you know, harp on him <laughs> when the rest of the team wasn't hitting from three either. So that's just kind of my thoughts on the rotations. Um, it was a little interesting. It wasn't necessarily like, you know, Dignant was like going to two-way players or anything of that nature, but just something to monitor, especially on the first night of a back-to-back. I get it. At the same time, in comparison, uh, you had AD playing 38 minutes, LeBron, 39 years old, 
playing 39 minutes, and D'Angelo Russell, who's been hit or miss for the Lakers all season, playing 36. And I'm not saying that Chet had 30 minutes, Dub had 35, Shea had 34. Again, first night of a back-to-back, I get it. But that's where I think you could sprinkle Lance Mayor Wiggins to kind of help out there with some of those minutes I just went through. Now, those are just kind of some overall thoughts with the rotations. A little frustrated there, but at the same time, I understand. First night of a back-to-back. And then finally here, my last big theme before just kind of getting to some really quick positive ones, rebounds and points in the paint for the Thunder. Believe it or not, the rebounds actually weren't that bad. The Thunder out-rebounded the Lakers 44-40, to 40, which was fantastic. And in fact, a lot of those came there in that fourth quarter where you saw Dub and Lou Dort, especially. I think I mentioned Lou's stat line. He had, if I can find it here, great podcasting, seven rebounds. Uh, Chet had eight rebounds. And then there's one, oh, Isaiah Joe having seven rebounds. Like Those aren't big deals outside of Chet, obviously, being the primary center for this team. Those guys going down, getting those second chance opportunities, it created so many second chance opportunities for the Thunder. They they just weren't able to capitalize offensively tonight. And you'll live with that. I think that's a a big bright spot there. The Thunder were able to hustle for rebounds, even with the the Lakers' size and length. Like I've mentioned so much about tonight, they still were able to get those second chance opportunities, which is huge. That being said, they gave up 64 points in the paint to their own 44. That right there is, I'm, I'm not the best at math. Neither is uh, Justin, who loves to say he was told there would be no math. I don't have the sounders here to play. That's a 20-point swing right there, the points in the paint. And the Lakers just absolutely ate in the paint tonight. And that's kind of uncharacteristic, uncharacteristic for the Thunder team. I didn't pull those stats up in regards to how the Thunder have defeated, defended in the paint for the entirety of the season. But... Again, even when they're playing small, that's very uncharacteristic, and the Lakers just absolutely took advantage of that. A lot of that was LeBron, and the main part of that was obviously Anthony Davis, who ended up with 27 points and 15 rebounds. 9 of 17 from the floor only took one three-point attempt, and that's huge. Also, Christian Wood had a lot of those second-chance opportunities as well. Uh, 4 of 7 from the floor, 11 points, 7 rebounds. Like, the Lakers big just absolutely feasted against this Thunder team. And that's not something that I think Mark is going to be very happy about. And this Thunder team is going to be very happy about heading into tomorrow night against the Clippers. Now, Zubac, uh, Zubat is not going to be playing tomorrow night uh, for the Clippers. That obviously helps. But at the same time, the Thunder are going to have to really focus on that paint defense and continuing to get those, those rebounds on both ends of the floor because defensively they're struggling getting those rebounds as well, which kind of leads into some physicality uh, questions. And I know a lot of you all have questions about trade deadline. Uh, and, and a lot of that kind of feeds into that theme there as well. But before we get into some questions from the chat, before we get into a couple of questions from Twitter, um, just really quickly, some good themes here. I thought J-Dub had another good game, especially in regards to the limited opportunities I thought he had. 25 points, three rebounds, six assists, 10 of 18 from the floor, two of four from three, three of four from the free throw line. I thought Dub was the best player on the floor for the Thunder for another game. Uh, I can't say consecutive games because Shea was absolutely phenomenal against the uh, Magic, like we mentioned on our post, or sorry, not our post game, our group podcast on Sunday. But Dub just continues to shine and grow in front of our eyes. I thought he was absolutely fantastic 
And then only 11 turnovers tonight for the Thunder to the Lakers 17. Unfortunately, again, a big theme for this, this game is the Thunder weren't able to capitalize off those turnovers, but creating 17 um, and, and a six-point discrepancy, sorry, a six-turnover discrepancy there for the, the Thunder, it's pretty huge, and they just weren't able to capitalize off it offensively, which goes to a lot of things I already mentioned. So those, those were kind of two quick pauses I wanted to touch on. Before we get into some of these overall questions, uh, I'm going to go ahead and go through the chat really quickly. We'll get to some Twitter questions, and then we will get out of here because we will be back. Actually, we won't be back tomorrow night because it's a Tuesday night, but we'll be covering the game tomorrow night on our Wednesday group podcast. So we'll be back here in 48 hours. Uh, let's see. I mentioned Smoot saying Taylor keeps getting the degenerate hour pods. Sadly enough, I keep signing up for these Smoot because the little guy's asleep and uh, I don't have to worry about like trying to get ready for bedtime and, and, and trying to watch the game at the same time. This gives me an opportunity to watch every single minute and be able to break these down in post-game format. Uh, Shay, it ain't so. That's a pretty good name there, Shay, it ain't so. Why did we not have the go Lenny Waters in? Honestly, I, I, I get it. I, I think the three-point shooting uh, from Lenny maybe was needed, but I, I liked a little bit of the tighter rotations. I, I go back to like the thoughts of no Aaron Williams, which I already touched on. Let's see. Kind of scrolling through here. Uh, Benson mentioned why they play SGA. Clearly need a day and we're on a back-to-back. Totally get that. Uh, again, Benson, he, he didn't seem 110%. I, I kind of think that was more so the Lakers defense, though, than his health. And so I wouldn't be surprised to see Shea come out and have a big game tomorrow night against the Clippers because that's what Shea does. He responds. He adapts. Uh, but I totally get that thought. And, like, again, I don't have any inside info. I wasn't there tonight. Maybe it was that knee that's kind of bothering him. And if we see him kind of struggle with that tomorrow night, you might be on to something. I'm going to keep scrolling. Just kind of some overall comments. I think we keep Oos. I'm happy if he's two or three years away. That means our timeline is now and is longer on the back end. Too early to give up. Yeah, no. Like when I'm talking about these players not playing, well, I'm not saying we give up on them or we trade them. I'm just saying this is a game where an Aaron Wiggins could have contributed. And I think that would have helped the Thunder tremendously. How do we always lose to these bums and they lose to everybody else? That is from my name. Yeah, uh, the Lakers kind of have our number, it seems like, just as the Sacramento Kings do. And then, again, just a lot of comments. Really appreciate all of your guys' comments. Uh, if I just kept scrolling through here, it would be a really bad podcast. So I'm quickly going to go through some of the questions I got on Twitter. Uh, Donnie Hazelwood asked, Oost gets a G League assignment for the Hawks-Wizards heat road trip, but travels with the team for Lakers, Clippers, Jazz, Minnesota. Make it make sense. Yeah, I think those games against, especially on the second half of back-to-back where the Thunder are flying in at 4 a.m. with the Hawks, uh, I understand like it, that's a quick turnaround for Oost. I think he had already played like two straight games with the Blue for him to be able to jump in and play in a, in a game like that. But that certainly seems like a road trip better suited for a player like Ooze rather than tonight against the Lakers. I understand putting them in bigger situations, trying to get them to you know continue to develop. But I think to your point, Donnie, it would have made a little more sense to play them or to play him against teams like you mentioned, uh, even that, that Wizards game a night or two nights after that second I have a back-to-back. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I'm with you. 
Mr. Tweets asked, I would understand if we were 500, but why as the two seed at the midway point is Oost getting run? Okay, very similar. 15 to three when he doesn't play and 12 and nine when he does. So I, I already touched on that. Uh, another fair question. Kieran, first night of the Sega Baba, do you think they possibly had their focus on tomorrow's game against the Clippers? Probably why Jang was getting minutes. I think that's very fair. I can kind of ties into those two previous questions. Um, but I'm not willing to say that the Thunder were looking ahead to tomorrow night's game for a reason that they lost tonight. I think they struggled tonight. They were solely focused on tonight. Maybe that is why we saw some, some Jing minutes tonight and Aaron Wiggins, who I think we see a lot of tomorrow, like I already mentioned. But I'm not willing to say the Thunder were just looking ahead. I don't think that was necessarily the reason for all the reasons I got into earlier in the podcast. Evan asked, what can we do to fix our problems if our guys can't find open sh- or cannot? He said, if our guys cannot find open shots, I think what he's getting at is if they can't hit open shots and they just have to play to their identity. We saw the Thunder beat the Orlando Magic shooting extremely poorly a couple nights ago from three and still were able to win the game. I understand the matchup were a little shorthanded. Even then, I think they still win that game because they play to their identity. They push to the pace and transition. They're moving off ball, creating um, off ball movement. They're flashing players to the high post in the zone. Like you can still be a zone defense, even when you're not hitting outside shots, although it becomes very difficult. And at the same time, all that being said, I don't think the Thunder are going to continue to shoot as poorly as they did outside tonight. Um, you know, continuously throughout the, the remainder of the, the regular season. Like, for example, Isaiah Joe going over six from three. That's very uncharacteristic. And so when the Thunder start hitting those shots, that opens the floor even more and allows them to play their identity. They weren't able to do that tonight. And then finally, uh, Norris, why didn't we play Wiggins? I think I already covered that one. So just really, I, let's see, Connor and Thundery things in the chat. Um, oh, they're just going back and forth. Never mind. I thought those were some questions for me. Appreciate all of you in the chat. Like I mentioned, appreciate all of you tuning in here at like 1246 Central Time. The degenerates, the uncontested degenerates were out in full force. We greatly appreciate you all. Like I mentioned, tomorrow night, Sega Baba. Second night of a back-to-back with the Clippers. We extremely interesting to see how the Thunder respond. I actually had the L, or sorry, a win scheduled for tonight and an L tomorrow. I'm feeling a little different about that now after tonight. I can see the Thunder responding well and playing the Clippers well. Hopefully that's the case. We'll have you all covered up for that when we do our Wednesday group podcast. Then we have the Jazz on Thursday, who have won nine of their last 10 games. They're on fire right now, uh, including their game tonight or earlier today that they just played. It's going to be another tough one. And then the Wolves on Saturday. And here at the Uncontested, we will have you covered for it all. Be sure to continue to tune in for our post-game podcast as well as our group podcast on Wednesday nights and Sunday nights. Thank you all again for tuning in. And as always, Thunder Up.